Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 203 of the Leading Learning Podcast, where Salisa and I will talk about empowerment, meta-learning, and specifically empowering lifelong learning through making good use of meta-learning principles. Jeff and I believe that at the core of a successful business model for really all learning businesses is empowerment. And empowering learners boils down to asking and then, of course, answering questions like, how will we make life better for our learners? And how will we help them do what they want and need to be able to do? And even if you have a long list of educational offerings, if you don't effectively empower your learners and create real learning results, it will be difficult to achieve long-term success. Your learners won't consistently come back for more, and you won't earn the reputation you need to keep attracting new learners, particularly as education markets grow more and more competitive. This imperative to empower learners applies whether we're talking about seminars, conferences, online courses, really it applies to any kind of educational experience that you offer. And we've talked about a number of topics that relate to learner empowerment in past episodes. Going way back to episode 42, we discussed how imperative it is for learning businesses to create real impact with their learning. And since then, we've addressed motivation, engagement, and adult learning principles. And of course, all of those play a role in empowering learners. So we'll be sure to link to each of those episodes in the show notes for today's episode. But in the moment, what we want to talk about is applying and helping learners apply specific practices that we know support effective learning, which of course then results in empowering learners. And so what we're getting at is essentially meta-learning, which we define as being aware of how learning happens and using that awareness to improve learning. Meta-learning practices are essential for learning business professionals to master. More importantly, learning businesses need to be certain that whoever is delivering and facilitating learning experiences for their organization is aware of and committed to these practices. And that's whether you're using staff or subject matter experts or, as we'll argue, the learners themselves. So in this episode, we're going to look at seven practices or what we're calling meta-learning moves to empower lifelong learning. As regular listeners know, we've started adding reflection questions to each episode of the Leading Learning Podcast. So before we get to those seven meta-learning moves, here are a couple suggestions for what to key on while you're listening. First, 
as you hear us talk about the seven meta-learning principles and practices, think about how you're already leveraging those meta-learning moves. And then after the episode, think about which ones your learning business would benefit from leveraging better. And then second, think about the stakeholder groups that need to know about these meta-learning moves. And that includes your instructors, your conference presenters, your staff, your learners, and so on. And then consider how you can educate or better educate each group. And with that, let's dive into the first move, play to prior knowledge. So one of the perennial challenges of adult educational experiences is that the people who participate often vary widely in their levels of prior knowledge about whatever topic the experience proposes to address. And this prior knowledge gap can be sizable even when participants come from similar industries or job roles or even the same organization because factors like previous education as well as length and nature of work and life experience always vary within a group of individuals. And these variations matter because there's a wealth of research suggesting that what we're capable of learning depends to a very large extent on what we already know. And in group situations, there's, of course, no way to completely level prior knowledge across participants, but it is possible to take steps in advance of an educational experience to help compensate for differences in prior knowledge. Now, one is to provide a pre-assessment that can make both learners and the instructor aware of any potential knowledge gaps. Feedback from the assessment should include recommended resources for addressing gaps, and ideally, you should make it clear that learners are expected to make the effort to use the resources and address the gaps. Uh, Another approach, and it's one that we tried um, with our own events and was actually the motivation for starting the Leading Learning Podcast, Um, that approach is to provide a common body of content in advance of an educational experience. And that helps ensure that learners have some common points of reference. We published the original Leading Learning Podcast episodes along with a short list of recommended readings before our first Leading Learning Symposium. And the results were mixed, meaning not everyone did the pre-work. But I will say that our experience was that providing relevant content in advance did help with addressing the issue of prior knowledge. And again, as you said, Jeff, a a key part of success with this or any other approach um, to addressing differences in prior knowledge is communicating the expectation that learners take advantage of the resources provided. And if you have resources you want your learners to take advantage of, we encourage you to check out our sponsor. CompPartners helps learning businesses conceive, develop, and fulfill their online education strategy. Their solutions begin with Elevate LMS, an award-winning learning platform that provides a central knowledge community and drives learner engagement. To extend the value of Elevate, CompPartners provides a wide variety of online education services, including curriculum design, instructional design, fully managed webinars, webcasts, live stream programs, and virtual conferences. Find out more at leadinglearning.com slash CompPartners. We do encourage you to check out CompPartners. And now let's turn back to the seven meta-learning moves. So understanding the important role of prior knowledge in learning and working to address prior knowledge differences, that was the first meta-learning move. The second meta-learning move is to provide opportunities for effort. Right. And we, we often work with organizations that, that feel 
that making learning as convenient as possible is the key to success with adult learners. But that's true only to a very limited extent. Well, yeah. I mean, you do want to make it easy for your learners to find you, easy for them to find the relevant learning experiences you offer, and easy to buy and access those experiences. Yeah, definitely all those things. But that's that's pretty much where easy and convenient end. If you want the actual learning experience to have an impact, by which we mean be remembered and actually be applied in real life, then the learner has to make an effort, period. That's just the way it goes. In, in talking about making an effort, though, we have in mind concepts like effortful retrieval and elaboration. So effortful retrieval means challenging learners to recall specific information or actions from memory, as opposed to, say, just passively reviewing content or notes, which you know so many of us will, will do as we're uh, trying to learn something. Elaboration means expressing ideas and concepts in your own words and then connecting them to what you already know. So learners should consistently be encouraged to engage in these practices throughout the learning experiences that you offer. And there should also be built-in opportunities where effortful retrieval and elaboration are called for. Um, For example, by posing reflection questions, the learning potential of effort that's built into reflection questions is why we've started offering reflection questions with each episode. Another opportunity for effort is to ask learners to explain or even teach a concept to other students, or if they are studying independently, maybe teach it to a a colleague or a friend. Yeah, and this is also a great place to mention the whole concept of working out loud or showing your work, which we've covered in episodes with Michelle Ockers and Jane Bozarth. Now, elementary schools from time immemorial, including our son in recent history, have been plagued with the imperative from their teachers to show their work in subjects like math. Now, you know, whether they know the learning science or not, the teachers are on to something with this. Showing your work requires effort, and it also requires you to pay attention not just to the explicit aspects of a problem or skill or body of knowledge, but also to the implicit aspects. It makes you go deeper in your learning and, and retain details and concepts you might not otherwise retain. So the bottom line is that you have to both encourage and build in opportunities for effort if you want to be sure your educational offerings will have a lasting impact. And of course, to get back to that whole idea of convenience and generally making things easy for learners, you may be thinking, you know, some of our learners are going to be turned off by having to put in this much effort, and they may even resist or decide not to participate in the experience that you offer. And we're going to say, you, of course, are right. But if you're being careful to maintain a sense of relevance and if you're making appeals to implicit motivation, and those are concepts we've covered in previous episodes, if you're doing that, then there are going to be many fewer learners who are going to resist than you might think. And just as importantly, you have to consider effort from a strategic standpoint your learning experiences are bound to be more effective, more memorable, more impactful if they require effort. They will almost certainly stand out from the commodity continuing education experiences that that kind of plague so many fields. Um, And so while these kinds of practices that we're talking about may repel some learners, they're also going to attract and produce learners who are much more likely to return for more of what you have to offer and to help spread the word. So make the effort 
to build in more effort. Now, effort is essential, but for effort to be really effective, it has to be spaced over time. And that brings us to our third meta learning move space the effort. Right. So, cramming doesn't stick, binge learning isn't actually learning. All the research and everything we know about the human brain tells us this is true. So you need to design your courses and your other learning experiences so that core concepts come up repeatedly. Uh, And along with them being repeated, come repeated opportunities for students to practice and test themselves. Now, this might mean um, building a review of previously covered concepts into your, your lessons, for example, or it can mean sending out drip messages, um, which many learning management systems support, um, and those drip messages might prompt learners to answer questions or apply an idea to their work or in their life. And a, and a great simple uh, approach to that kind of drip campaign that we've highlighted before is Google Whisper courses. And we'll be sure to link to this. But the basic idea is that very often learners often don't really need another course so much as they need a reminder to help them to review and apply what they know. So kind of like a whisper in their ear, and that's the name whisper courses. So a whisper course is a series of emails, each with a simple suggestion or whisper for an employee to try. Um, In a a specific Google example, the emails cover action for managers to try in their one-on-ones or or team meetings. And so over the course of 10 weeks, the managers are supported in building better psychological safety on their team by trying these whisper suggestions. And of course, this can be be an independent learning experience, a spaced learning experience in and of itself. It might be something that you add on to a conference session or another type of course. But again, to give that opportunity for spaced practice, spaced review and application over time, just really, really critical for, for making that effort work. And If you want to go deeper on the topic of spaced learning, and we highly recommend that that you do if this isn't familiar territory, we recommend you check out Spaced Learning Over Time, which is a a free document from Dr. Will Talheimer, and we'll be sure to, to link to that in the show notes. And of course, we've also talked to Dr. Will on the show before, and we'll link to previous episodes with him. So the fourth meta learning move is set the stage for transfer. A key problem with a lot of educational experiences is that the learning evaporates once the learner exits, um, whether that's uh, the learner exiting a physical classroom or exiting an online course. And so to combat the forgetting problem, you have to encourage and guide learners to practice and apply what they're learning, not only over time, as we just discussed with this whole issue of spacing the effort, but also in a range of relevant situations. So there's a a lot of evidence that it helps to vary the context in which you study or in which you practice if you want to be able to apply what you learn as flexibly as possible. And a lot of times that's what learners are going for these days is, is flexibility. So it's one thing, for example, to develop say, a great forehand in tennis uh, when a backboard is your opponent and you're just hitting against that same backboard all the time. It's quite another to play against a range of other players of varying capabilities or to play on different types of courts or in different types of weather. So if you really want to become a great tennis player, you need to be able to adapt to all of those variations and even more. And the only way to develop this ability 
is by putting your forehand through its paces in, in those many different contexts. So in general, learners need to practice and review in ways that correspond to how they will ultimately use whatever you're teaching. This is the only way that what you teach will transfer from theory into practice, from the classroom into the reality of the learner's situation. So as you're learning business designs courses or other learning experiences, you need to think about how you can challenge your learners to apply whatever you're teaching and to apply uh, those concepts in different contexts. Uh, For online courses in particular, you have to think beyond the screen. Um, And again, I think that Google Whisper course that uh, you mentioned, Jeff, is, is a good point of reference. So really put yourself in the learner's shoes, think of the many contexts in which what you're teaching may apply, and then provide some guidance to the learner for practice in these different contexts and possibly even require some sort of evidence. Like maybe they have to report on the experience and maybe that's an assignment that's part of the course. Now, if you're looking for a partner to help you sort through the evidence of the impact of your learning, we encourage you to check out our sponsor. Authentic Learning Labs is an e-learning company that offers products and services to help improve your current investments in education. One key product is Authentic Analytics, a dedicated suite of visualization reports that help analyze and predict the performance of education programs. Organizations use Authentic Analytics to easily scan through volumes of data in intuitive visuals, chart performance trends, and quickly spot opportunities, issues, and potential future needs. Find out more at leadinglearning.com slash authentic. Definitely do check out Authentic. They and our other sponsors are really who make it possible for us to put the time and effort into creating these uh, episodes of the Leading Learning Podcast. Now, we've talked uh, about a lot of ways that learners can make an effort and, and practice and about how they should do this over time and in different contexts. And as all of this is happening, there need to be ways for learners to receive meaningful feedback on their performance. So, the fifth meta-learning move is to provide opportunities for feedback. We've already hinted at one of the primary traditional approaches to this when we talked about effort, uh, and namely, I'm talking about assessment. So whether as a result of a formal test or through uh, self-testing in the form of effortful retrieval or elaboration, learners not only bolster their long-term retention, they are also able to identify areas in which they may need to study or practice more. So they can self-calibrate their learning based on this very basic level of feedback. Ideally, though, learning businesses should leverage assessments as a way to provide meaningful guidance to learners. Online testing in particular offers the opportunity to provide learners with immediate feedback, and immediacy is great. But you also have to know what to say. And I got to talk with Dr. Patty Shank about feedback, and that conversation will be part of a forthcoming episode here. But I'll plant the seed now that there's research that shows that the type of feedback your online test provides shouldn't always be the same. That is, learners who are more advanced in a topic or skill are going to benefit from different kinds of feedback. Um, Think about things like hints and second tries and references to materials to dive deeper. That's the kind of thing that uh, experts tend to prefer versus novices uh, who have a lower cognitive load threshold and tend to benefit from less information in the feedback. 
And of course, you know, assessment is far from the only way to provide feedback. Another big opportunity is for an instructor to provide feedback to students in the context of the learning experience, uh, whether that means in real time or through the use of asynchronous discussion or through comments on assignments completed by the learner. It's important to keep in mind, though, that just as feedback for assessment questions needs to be carefully crafted, so too feedback from instructors requires care. And the truth is, most of us just really are not all that great at giving helpful feedback to other people. And that weakness can actually be compounded when the person giving the feedback is an expert. Now, peer feedback uh, also can have value, but again, most people have never been taught to give effective feedback. And you know this whole area of what is essentially giving people feedback on their performance is one that's that's really rich, but it's complex enough that I think we're you know we're going to need to dedicate an episode to it sometime soon. But in the meantime, we'll stress that it's an area in which you should proceed with some caution, you know, and definitely do your homework. And to help with that homework, um, we'll also link in the show notes uh, to a recent article in the Harvard Business Review site that we found helpful. Um, And we'll continue to add other resources there as we find them to help you uh, really to to take advantage of giving feedback, but to do it in a way that's truly going to be productive and helpful. So next up is our penultimate meta-learning move, teach learning. One of the best ways to empower your learners is to teach them to learn effectively. If you think about your own experience in school, the chances are pretty good that you were never really taught how to learn effectively. And in fact, it's only been in the last decade or so that we've really started to reach consensus uh, about what works in learning. And that includes most of the practices that Jeff and I have discussed so far in this episode. Yes, and this is knowledge that our learners really need as much or more than we do. We need to teach our learners how to learn. And this is something that, in our experience, most learning businesses don't do at all. You know, Malcolm Knowles, um, who's considered the, the father uh, of andragogy, uh, kind of the progenitor of adult learning theory, he wrote that it's a tragic fact that most of us only know how to be taught. We haven't learned how to learn. That really needs to change. So most learners are likely to be unaware of the points that we've covered so far. They almost certainly don't know how to develop a strategy for getting the most out of your educational products, but you can help them. And the learners who are likely to be most valuable to your learning business will thank you for it. So, you know, that means making sure they know about concepts like effortful retrieval, elaboration, and the value of spaced practice. So, you know, teach them about practices like how to take and use notes effectively also. Um, and we'll be sure to link to some, some resources uh, on that in, in the show notes. And, you know, they can make these and many other meta-learning practices part of any learning experience they engage in, regardless of who's offering the experience and, and whether whoever's offering it has thought uh, about these practices. So to go back to our theme of empowerment, when you teach your members and, and customers to engage in these practices, you are empowering them to be the effective lifelong learners they need to be in today's world. So let's uh, talk a little more concretely. What are some ways to do that? Um, just to give you a few ideas of some examples, you might address meta-learning concepts and skills uh, in an opening session at your conference. 
You might include a brief video segment or have a downloadable tip sheet with your online courses. You might feature interviews with learners and members and customers and staff about how they apply meta-learning principles and practices in their work and life. Uh, You might work with your subject matter experts and presenters uh, and give them these uh, kind of brief meta-learning facts and and tips um, and let them use those at appropriate points then during the sessions that they lead. And we challenge you to do some brainstorming on your own or or with your group there about, you know, what else you you might be able to do here. You can probably come up with uh, dozens of examples of how you can help to convey these meta-learning principles. But keep in mind as as you're doing it that, I mean, really what what you're doing here is providing extra value as a learning business. Um, you know, it's, it's probably going to be impossible. Uh, it's certainly something to aspire to, but to, but to try to address all of the principles that we've highlighted here in every learning situation you offer, you know, a, a lot of learning businesses just aren't going to have the capacity to, to do that. They're not going to be quite at that level of maturity yet. And of course, you have to account for the fact that your learners they're going to engage in many more learning experiences than the ones that that you offer. So, you know, helping them to learn to make use of the principles on their own, um, that really sets them up for success as lifelong learners, no matter where and how they're doing that learning. And I think that segues nicely into the seventh and final meta-learning move, which is be an avatar. So we've found again and again over the years that the people who work in learning businesses often don't take enough time themselves to participate in educational experiences. They don't regularly attend workshops and conferences or other events where they can continue to build their skills and knowledge. And of course, in a, in a time when we are making so many advances in our knowledge about how learning happens and when so many aspects of the business landscape are changing so rapidly, it's really more important than ever, it's really critical to build focused, formal learning opportunities into your schedule. But then, of course, formal educational events are hardly the only way to learn. As we've discussed frequently, learning is not an event, it's a process, and one we all need to consciously cultivate as part of our everyday lives and work. And that means, you know, taking advantage of many less formal approaches to learning that are, that are available. And that includes, includes things like, you know, reading blogs and curating content that's useful to us and that we can share with others. And we've dedicated an entire episode to that in the past that we'll be sure to link to. It may even mean producing uh, original content, whether that's through blogging or videos or, dare we say it, a podcast. It may also include, you know, stepping up as uh, a leader and, and leading an educational session at an event for other learning business professionals. But the bottom line is that we all need to be the learners that we expect uh, and hope our learners are going to be. Yes, we must make participation in learning activities, both those formal activities and informal activities. We have to make that a priority. We must make it a habit that we weave into the fabric of our lives. We've got to put in the time and the effort. We have to be willing to take the risks. We have to be willing to fail, to reflect, to share our experiences, and then continue onward. We must fully engage in the way that we hope those we lead will engage. And that's what we mean by being avatars. As leaders and aspiring leaders, we must be individuals who manifest the idea of learning and embody the ideal of living in a state of continually becoming. 
There's no denying that this is a difficult work. I feel it every day that it's difficult work, uh, but, but it definitely strikes us more and more as the essential work of learning leaders and leaders in general. And so that's it for our look at meta-learning. Uh, for show notes for this episode, you can go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 203. We do have uh, quite a few links uh, there, uh, really kind of chock-a-block with links to additional information about the topics we've touched on today, because this is really a rich uh, subject area. There's a lot to learn here, but uh, you'll be able to, to access those links and also reference our reflection questions for this episode, which are how are you already leveraging these meta-learning practices? Which do you need to make better use of? And who are the stakeholder groups that need to know about these meta-learning moves? And how can you educate or or better educate each group on using these meta-learning moves? When you check out the show notes, you'll also see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, we would be grateful if you would subscribe because those subscription numbers give us some data into the impact of what we're doing with the podcast. And we'd also be grateful if you take just a minute to give us a rating on Apple Podcast. Just go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple. Salise and I personally appreciate your rating and review, but more importantly, reviews and ratings play an important role in helping the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. And we'd be grateful if you would check out our sponsors for this quarter. Find out more about Authentic Learning Labs at leadinglearning.com slash authentic and find out what Compartners has to offer at leadinglearning.com slash Compartners. Finally, please tell others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash learning, and of course, share us with others there. But however you do it, please spread the word about leading learning. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.